Welcome to The Curriculum, a podcast by Cornerstones Education. Here we discuss all things curriculum, plus leadership issues, teaching tips and much, much more. Hello everyone, it's Caroline here. Uh, Before we start the podcast, I just wanted to say that we did record it over the internet, so the sound quality might be a bit off at times, but it is a great conversation and I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. Okay, so it's on with the podcast. Hi Jill, how are you? Hi, yeah, I'm good, thank you. Nice to speak to you. I'm talking to you from Sheffield. Where are you talking to me from today? I'm in Newton Abbott, Devon, quite a long way away. A long way away. Um, luckily, through Zoom, we can chat about all these important things. So there has been an awful lot of change in the world since I last spoken to you about the new inspection framework. That seems like a long time ago, doesn't it? A long, long time ago. And there's been so many changes. There have. I mean, it's it's been just dizzying keeping up with all the different changes in education anyway. But, you know, in terms of the early years, and that's what we're talking about today, on the ground where you are, I know you're an early years expert and you work with schools. How, how have early years practitioners been coping during the pandemic, Jill? I think early years practitioners have possibly been affected the most. It's been so hard for them. It was really important to get the youngest children back into school. Mm. But with the confusion about social distancing and what equipment people could use with the children, I think the teachers have really found that tricky. I think they've done an amazing job making sure that they've made the classrooms as normal as possible and as friendly as possible. I follow a lot of different Facebook groups and I've seen some really exciting ideas to support the children getting into, yeah, physically getting into the classrooms, like going down slides and cross bikes and different routes and things, just to make them feel welcome and secure. There's been a lot of confusion around how children were allowed to be taught. And I think advice was changing daily. So that was really hard. I think the, the most difficult thing for people was could they do continuous provision or not were they allowed to have the children mixing were they having to have that two meter rule so things changed as the years gone by but I think going back into September you know with the bubble system there's going to be less pressure on the children actually mixing and sort of they'll be able to have more continuous and enhanced provision going on so it does feel like more of a normal classroom for those children coming back in. That's a huge adjustment then, isn't it? And it's, it's been a real upheaval, but practitioners have done such a fantastic job, haven't they? Amazing. From the people that I've seen and the, the way they've been so creative with their ideas and how they're sort of like managing resources and the time and effort that they've put in, I think is truly incredible. And I think, you know, they need that recognition just how hard they've worked to make things as normal for the children as possible and so that they just feel secure at school. Yeah, and from what we've seen on social media, people have posted what they've been doing in those settings. You know, the children look happy despite the restrictions, you know, and that's that's down to the practitioners, isn't it? And looking forward now, schools have been really busy planning ahead for what they're going to provide. Nationally, though, in both England and Wales, we've got curriculum developments on the horizon and new requirements. And, and we're going to dig into those a little bit now, aren't we, Jill? You've got a lot of things to juggle at the moment. 
as a practitioner. So maybe in short, what are the new changes afoot in England? Should we start with England first, actually? What are the things that EYFS and early years practitioners are going to be having to think about in the next few months and years? They were meant to be starting with a new baseline assessment this September, but because of the pandemic and the difficulties that people have been having actually just getting children into school, that's now been put on hold for a year. Because some schools actually trialled it last year, they might be continuing to use this going forward this year as well. There's also the option for schools to adopt the reformed early learning goals this September, and people have signed up to do that. They will be statutory in September 2021, if all goes ahead um, normally this year. Mm. But there's still quite a lot of controversy about the changes so individual schools and teachers are just now making their own decisions or have made their own decisions based on what's going to work best for them. Yes. And I mean, in, in Wales, we're hearing a lot about the new curriculum for Wales uh, requirements. You know, the bill is going through the Senate and the foundation phase is a really important phase there. And that, in Wales, it goes up to age seven. So from three to seven, there's a lot in that framework about breadth and balance and the principles of the foundation stage. It's, there's actually a lot of similarities really between England and Wales, but we've also got the six areas of learning and experience to cover and the statements of what matters. Schools in Wales who are listening will be aware of all of that. So that's all on the horizon. And again, they've got to implement that by 2022, September. So in that respect then, what are they looking for when you're talking to early years practitioners? What do they really need this next year? Whatever decisions they've made about whether they're going to become an early adopter, whether they're using the baseline, or whether they are just going to stay and carry on um, teaching as they have been, they're going to be needing support with their curriculum and planning to make sure that how they're teaching across the new early learning goals is going to be suitable for the children in their cohorts. And also, I think it's just so important that, you know, these children have missed such a chunk of their learning mm. in school some children won't actually have been in school or they might have missed out on their transition. There's so many different things that teachers need to be looking at and aware of and having support with that. So the main thing that is going to be really important is that the prime areas of learning and making sure that the children have got time to really develop skills in those areas before they move on to any of the specific areas. Mm. And in Wales, the areas of learning and experience, you've got communication, literacy, language, all of those, they're your key areas of learning. They're going to have such diverse needs, aren't they, the children? And the approach in that foundation phase is to really look at the child's individual development rather than just age-related expectations. That's going to be a huge range, isn't there, Jill? There is going to be such a range. You will have children who have done lots of work with parents over lockdown, possibly much more based on the specific areas, and they might not have had those chances to develop those social skills that are so important that they're going to need. Some children will have had very little time doing any sort of learning at home. They might not have had those vital conversations to develop their communication and language skills. I think the biggest thing as well is if children haven't really been socialising with other children, 
you know, what effect is that going to have on their personal, social and emotional development? And, you know, if you've been in during lockdown living in a small confined space, have you had time to develop your physical skills? You know, with the parks having been shut up until recently, are children actually getting out, running, using that equipment, working on their sort of like upper body strength so that they've got those vital skills to help develop the children with their writing as well? So there are so many things that the teachers are going to have to put in place to really support that learning and development of individuals. And it will vary from place to place, school to school, it will vary from child to child. So you know, having that time at the beginning of the year to really get to know those children, work with them, make them feel happy and secure. You know, if they've been living in a little bubble with just their parents and they're suddenly coming, having to come into school, you know, just actually that separation from parents is going to be so hard as well. So there's going to be a lot of work needed to be done on those prime areas, the communication, physical development, personal, social and emotional development. Yeah, all of it together. It's all part of the whole recovery process, isn't it? Yeah, the most important thing coming back to school in September is just not to rush into anything too quickly and sort of put the well-being of those children at the, the front of everything that's being done. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. You've been working on a new early years curriculum, haven't you? Some new projects that we've got coming out, both for England and Wales. Could you tell us about the approach that you've taken in these? Obviously, like you say, schools are going to be putting in place like a recovery approach. But you've actually been busy, haven't you, Jill? Could you tell us about the approach you've taken with these new projects? I've been really excited to be working on these and it's given me the opportunity to do a lot of research into those best ways to approach learning and development with those youngest children. The projects are now all linked to the reformed early learning goals but they also offer a real breadth and balance across all areas of learning. So where some of the early learning goals don't actually talk about shape, space and measure, for example, in maths, the projects cover everything. There's technology in there, shape, space and measure, and lots and lots of opportunities for children to develop those really vital skills in communication, language development, physical development, and personal, social, and emotional development as well. The project's going to be on Curriculum Maestro, which is an online all-in-one platform. And for, for schools in Wales, all of the projects have been matched to the statements of what matters and all the areas of learning. So they seamlessly work for either, don't they? And All of the, the what matters statements have been linked. We've looked at um, a progression of skills and knowledge from nursery that links from nursery up to year six and the reformed early learning goals and the what matters statements have been, all been linked in with that oh that's fantastic could you tell us anything else about the approach of them so it's really important for me that the projects had a good balance of teacher directed tasks and play-based approach to learning so all of the activities that have been planned have a link to enhanced provision so that the children have the opportunities to explore their interests and further develop skills and knowledge independently in their play. Mm. So I spent a lot of time researching the most effective ways to develop learning for young children. And the projects all still follow that Cornerstone's unique approach to learning with the engage, stage, develop, 
opportunities to explore skills further in the Innovate projects and a chance to share learning um, in the express stage as well. Mm. And how can practitioners differentiate you know for we were talking earlier about these diverse needs that children are going to have but even in a normal situation you've got maybe nursery children reception in the same areas you've got different learning needs so is that built into the project yes so this time rather than having similar projects for nursery and reception that can link together what we've done is we've made one project that can be taught in nursery or reception or across a unit. So there are tasks for reception children and enhanced provision linked to that. And where appropriate, there are small group tasks as well for nursery children to do at a different level. And again, further enhanced provision activities for them as well, which is sort of more suitable for their needs and age and stage of development. This means that it gives practitioners the opportunity to differentiate or teach within a mixed age class or if you're just teaching in reception and you have children who just aren't ready for those reception tasks, look at the nursery ones and see if they offer better opportunities for those children. And then nursery practitioners have the opportunity of teaching just through the enhanced provision if they want to or dipping into the small group tasks where appropriate, depending on the age of the children and their stage of development as well. That's fantastic, actually, because I used to teach in both reception and nursery, and I'd have found that extremely useful to have that scope for different levels of development with children. And yet they're still working on the same project, aren't they? We, we could talk about some of the project titles that are coming up. There's some lovely ones for autumn, actually, for when the children come back. So you mentioned earlier, Jill, about language and communication development. It's such a core aspect this early phase of children's development how have you worked that into the project well it was really important for me for that kind of language and communication to be at the forefront of each of the projects so all of the projects centered around stories and some really exciting lovely beautiful books to share with the children and actually within each of the weeks of the developed stage there is a different key text to work on with the children and it gives opportunities to explore language within the stories and vocabulary and there are plenty of opportunities for children to retell and act out stories through role play and small world as well. There are lots of talk tasks that have been built in to each of the weeks as well so there are opportunities for children to work in small groups and explore language and vocabulary further with lots of um, images and pictures to sort of, or exciting tasks to really prompt that talk and sort of make natural conversation. So I've, I've spoken about this before, how I think that conversation is really key to developing language and vocabulary. So having, uh, building those activities in was important to me. And as well, just to sort of like give some extra tips and hints for practitioners, Within each of the tasks, the teacher-directed tasks, there are prompts and questions that will help develop learning further and also encourage children to explore the vocabulary and offer their ideas in a like, familiar situation. That's really good to hear that. Now, something that is key for this phase is how it then transitions 
into year one. A lot of people in England worry, don't they, about that transition between reception and year one. So how did the project prepare children for that? Before I even started writing the project, I worked with the Cornerstones team to link skills and knowledge in a framework that originally went from year one to year six and now has also incorporated nursery and reception mm. and all of the activities and tasks are linked to key skills and knowledge that children will need to learn and explore and develop to actually have that chance of achieving the early learning goals or the what matters statements by the end of the year and within the projects I have built in a kind of progression especially for the reception side of things so that the projects in the autumn term are very much based on those key skills of communication and language physical development personal and emotional social development and then as the projects progress through to the summer term we bring in more emphasis on the specific areas so children have got that opportunity to prepare for year one but still in a very play-based early years style environment. Having that strong progression framework in place to follow at the right pace for your children is important isn't it? So on to my favourite topic now which is resources Jill. You have been creating resources that support these projects haven't you? Could you tell us a little bit about those? I've been so lucky working with the Cornerstones team. There are some amazing people who have been finding the correct images and supporting with video work. So everything within the projects is fully resourced. There are some beautiful bespoke resources to help the children explore different themes, the videos that go alongside them. Some have got questions for the children to answer, some are just pictures so that they can have a discussion around it. And the picture cards as well are all beautifully designed. What we thought was really important is that we've used real images so that the children are familiar with the imagery in the pictures, that it doesn't feel abstract to them. And where this hasn't been possible, there's a fantastic illustrator who's created beautiful pictures and images so that they really enhance the children's learning experiences and are just engaging and just stimulate that level of discussion. They're all on Maestro, aren't they? So once you go onto the, the project page and you look at the different activities, you just click on the link and it will take you directly to the resource and it's all there for you. Some are printable, some are just, like I say, the video things that you would be able to share with small groups or a larger group. Mm. And yeah, it, it's all fully resourced and the resources are like bespoke. And you said you've got enhanced provision ideas, haven't you? So practitioners or teaching assistants could print those out or make a note of those in their planning and then just their classroom, can't they, with those ideas? Now, looking ahead, like if you're in England and you're an early adopter, how would you advise practitioners to approach the planning and teaching of the projects then? So say they've gone on to Curriculum Maestro, what's their process for, for implementing this? Well, the first two projects are already up there and ready to look at. Mm -hmm. And what I've done is I've made a main project and a mini project for each half term. And the mini projects at the moment are quite seasonal. So the first mini project is exploring autumn. 
And the main project that we have in that first half term is me and my community. So it gives you that chance to sort of really talk to the children about their experiences, about their families, really get to know each other. There's work on friendships and then there's work on that wider community. And within that project as well, it really does give children a chance to talk about their experiences through the pandemic and appreciate the people who have been there to support them. Yeah, and help them to settle in into school. Oh, and that, yeah, so important. So, and then every so often we're going to release more projects, aren't we? So that you, you'll have them well in advance. Would there be some schools who would just run with these now and they could, if they're an early adopter, you take these if you're another school and you want to sort of dip in you could use them could you to enhance whatever you've got and you can use them in any way because they're on maestro anyway aren't they yes i mean just because they're linked to the reformed early learning goals it doesn't mean that the activities and tasks and the enhanced provision aren't relevant to the old style curriculum they're very much based in good early years practice there's lots of opportunities for children to explore things in their own way through the enhanced provision and as well as each teacher-led activity being enhanced provision there's also a wealth of enhanced provision across the project as well so there are extra ideas so that you can really run with children's interests or develop key skills in certain areas if you feel that your cohort of children or individual children need that. There are going to be another two projects coming up very soon, which will go for the second half of the autumn term, um, Once Upon a Time, which is a lovely story-based topic with lots of opportunities for children to just develop a love of reading and stories and act things out and just just immerse themselves in books and story language. And then the last one that will be coming out for the autumn term is called Sparkle and Shine. That looks at festivals in the winter season and just gives children a chance to explore the diverse communities that they live in and how different people celebrate, not only in the UK, but around the world. That sounds lovely, really fitting for that autumn term. And I can see how it will help children and the, and the practitioners develop relationships over that time. Like you were saying earlier about the kind of insular nature of lockdown and the upheaval. It's lovely to broaden children's horizons and gives them a sense of hope and the wider world, isn't it? If you are listening to this you've already got maestro in your school you can go on now and browse and have a look at those projects importantly for both england and wales they're all editable aren't they so you can go in because we obviously don't know your individual children so jill i know that's very important to you isn't it that the practitioners adapt it to suit their setting and they use what's there that's really important because there are lots and lots of different activities there within each of the weeks and it might be that some there's maybe too much for some of the children and you just want to streamline it so you've got that option of picking the activities that really suit the children in your class the best the projects are designed to fit around your daily teaching so there are maths activities in there that you might not need if you follow a math scheme and there's lots of phonics activities within there so it covers every aspect and area of learning but it's bespoke for you so you choose the activities that are best going to suit your style of teaching and the children in your class the exciting thing is that eventually there'll be 25 projects so even if you are a mixed age class there's going to be a two-year cycle for you to use that's been fantastic to talk to you we'll have to leave it there but 
I think the thing to say to any listeners, really, if, you, if you'd like to just see what these projects look like and how they work and how it can help you, you know, develop an early years curriculum, you could just book a demo or give us a call. But obviously for people listening, Jill, who, who'd like to get in contact with you, ask you questions, you know, find out a little bit more, they can find you on Twitter, can't they? I've put, I'll put your handle at the bottom of the podcast notes. Jill's here as our early years expert and we've got a curriculum team here who are ready to answer your questions and, and give you some guidance. So thank you so much, Jill, from, for talking to me about the exciting new curriculum and about the national requirements that are on the on the horizon we just want to wish everyone listening all the very best for their transition back to school so thank you jill for joining me today it's been a pleasure thank you caroline